0: Alright, so the text we're going to read today is, is, you know, where we get our name from. The name for our church, Potter's House, comes from this verse out of Jeremiah 18. And our church and also churches that are worldwide. I just checked the other day when I looked up the Potter's House. I asked one of the brothers um, how many churches out there uh, at the moment. And they said there's over 2,700 Potter's House churches out in the world at the moment that we're a part of. And so the book of Jeremiah is where our uh, the name comes from the potter's house. And uh, I want to encourage you, you know, we're one of those churches out of 2,700 churches. And so I want to preach this morning out of Jeremiah 18. If you're there, say amen. 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 So Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 4 says this. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. Everyone say my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred. That word means ruined. Vessel he made of clay was ruined in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. I want to preach a message this morning entitled, In the Potter's Hand in the potter's hands today so if you're taking note number one the potter's house let's consider the potter's house today because the bible tells us arise go down to the potter's house and there I will cause you to hear my words and I'm preaching this morning about the potter's house because our church our congregation has been placed right in the heart of Bean Lee for a reason the potter's house Church has been placed all around the world in certain locations, certain cities, certain countries for a reason. Our church is placed in little towns in Lismore, our church is placed in a place called Strathpine, our churches that are out in Maroochido, in Sunshine Coast, around the globe is placed for a reason so that people from all backgrounds of life, no matter the skin color, come on, somebody, no matter. Uh, your socioeconomic background, no matter where you come from, you can come to the potter's house and hear his words. Amen. Amen. You can come to the potter's house and you can hear God's words. It tells us, arise, go down to the potter's house. There I will cause you to hear my words. It's talking about the word of God. And I come to declare to us today, as long as these doors are open, as long as this church continues to be open, we will continue to teach and to preach His Word. Can you say amen? Come to church and you will hear the Bible. You will hear God's Word being preached and being preached. The Bible is God-breathed. Can you say amen? Second Timothy chapter 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We can come to church and hear God's word for our lives. How do we live lives in our marriage? How do we live lives as a single person? How do we be a Christian? It begins right here in the local church. And the Word of God is inspired by God. It's God-breathed that you can come in and be like, man, that sermon really spoke to me. Man, something that you preached, Pastor, the other day really did speak to my heart. How many know that's true? I mean, you remember the first time you came to a church, the Potter's House Church, and it begins to deal with your heart. The preacher begins to preach on sin. The preacher begins to preach on homosexuality. The preacher begins to preach on these topics uh, that begin to challenge our lives. And it changes us because it is God breathed. It begins to move in our hearts. It's so active. The Bible tells us the Bible, the word of God is powerful. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of. The heart, come on. The God's word has power. Can you say amen? amen? God's word has the power to change and transform us. I love the word of God because listen, we live in a world filled with information. I mean, there's a wealth of knowledge everywhere. And I thank God that gone are the days of encyclopedias. <laughs> How many remember when you're in school? I mean, I just this was my time. It's like, you know, what, go and research, and you have to go to the library. And you have to go and, you know, find these books and, you know, turn a page. Uh, Have you ever? (laughs) And you actually have to research. My dad's got like this, you know, Britannica encyclopedia still on his shelf. Any of you got that, you know, parents maybe still have the, you might still have it on your shelf. But it's like, you know what, we live in a world today that, you know what, this information is available where we can read books online in seconds. Thank you to Google that we can look it up online. You might be studying and you can find something in an instant. I mean, we live in a world filled with information. But here's this thing. We can have access to all the books online, all the books that are provided for us, and it'll be all information. But what makes the Bible so different from any other book that's written is that the Bible is God-breathed. It is the Word of God. It's alive, it's active, it's effective, and it's more than just information. The Bible is given to us to bring transformation. Can you say amen? And so you know what? Let it be a conviction that every man that stands behind this pulpit, every preacher that comes to preach the Word of God, let it be a conviction to preach nothing else but the Bible. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says this, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, It shall not return void, return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You see, this is so powerful that whenever we hear the Word of God being preached, it's so effective that it does more than man's opinions, that it does more than what someone speaks about their own ideas or ideologies. The Word of God has power and is able to accomplish what it was being sent for. When you hear God's word, listen to this this morning, your faith begins to be stirred. Romans 10 verse 17 tells us, so then faith comes by hearing and by hearing by the word of God. I mean, this is where our faith begins to be stirred is that when we come to church and we hear the Bible being preached. Go down to the potter's house. What's there? Oh, there you'll see. There you'll hear my words. And so we come to the potter's house. And so the word of God's being preached. And now we hear it and our faith is stirred. You know, our faith begins to grow when we hear the Word of God being preached. It's challenging us. We're growing, the Bible tells us, from glory to glory. And this is the, the amazing thing about God's Word is that it will not return void. That when it's being preached, it begins to fall upon our hearts. And the issue is this. it's not The problem's not with the message. The problem is with the hearts that receive it. Jesus spoke about this in a parable that the sower went out to sow the seed and some fell among thorns, some fell upon the stony ground. And so the word of God is being sent, it's being scattered. It doesn't matter where it's sent. Listen, the word of God has got to find room upon the good soil of our hearts. And so our church has been placed in bean leaf for reasons reason, so that people who have no idea about Jesus, that people who come from, you know a dysfunctional families, that people that come from homes of divorce can come in and hear the hope and the good news of Jesus Christ being preached through His Word. Amen. I want to show you a map very quickly. It's a map of Beanleaf. We can get that up, please. Thanks, Ann. And I want you to see right here, In the center is Beanley. Beanley. And over here, we've got Eden's Landing. We've got Homeview. We've got Waterford. Just at the back here, we've got Bar Scrub. We've got Mount Warren Park and Windaroo. And over here, we've got Eagleby. And our church is right here in the center of Beanley with all these surrounding suburbs. And I'm telling you, God has placed us in a time such as this to reach the surrounding suburbs, to reach the people in our city. Go down to the potter's house. I mean, there are people that are driving down these streets. There are people that come here to the shops. There are people that go everywhere. And I'm telling you, they, they begin to look at the signs. They begin to consider, man, God, what do where am I at in life? And so it might be something that God begins to draw them and says, you know what? I want you to go down to this church. What about you today? How did you come down to the potter's house? A friend invited you. You googled it online, you, you drove or you walked past and you saw the potter's house and when you came in you heard the word of God being preached and it challenged us. It begins to make an impact on our lives and I'm telling you, God placed the potter's house in Bean Lee so that the broken pieces, so that our lives that have been shattered by the world, That our lives that have been so broken by people, so broken by religion, so broken by the things that we see, and we can come into a church, the Potter's House Church, to hear his words. And you know what? This place ought to be a place of refuge. That you know what? Where God begins to take our lives in the potter's hands. God is the potter. We are the clay. He takes the broken pieces, and he begins to put things back together again. And the Bible tells us, If any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. I mean, something that's been totally marred by the world. Something that's been broken, but yet in the hands of the potter. Come on, somebody. In the hands of our creator, the one who made us, who formed us, who breathed life into us, is able to now give us new life. Go down to the potter's house. There you'll hear my words. Let's talk secondly, the potter and the clay. Because here in our story, Jeremiah obeys God's voice. He goes down to the potter's house and he sees the potter at work. Listen to verse 4. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred. It was ruined in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel. So it seemed good to the potter to make. Jeremiah goes down and God shows him his sermon on what he was to preach the people, God shows Jeremiah, listen, I want you to see this, and it's going to be a sermon to teach and to preach to your people. And God is the potter, and we are the clay, and God says, Jeremiah, this is your sermon. And listen to verse 5 of our text, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. You see, when we get saved, our lives are in the potter's hand. When we become Christians, we hand over our lives. The clay has now been put into the potter's hand so he can begin to make our lives new. So he can begin to mold and shape us. God is the potter. We are the clay. But here's the problem. People choose not to surrender their lives in the potter's hands. That they can come inside a church. That they can come inside a building. Hear the word of God being preached, but yet not choose to say, you know what, God, I don't want to give you my mess. I don't want to give you my brokenness. And they leave the same way they came in. And it's very sad to know because here it is. Jeremiah, I want you to give this word to them that show them, listen, I am the God that is able to mold and shape to make all things new. But he also gives Jeremiah a word to warn the people. Listen to verse 11. Now therefore, speak to them of Judah, uh, men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Return now, everyone, from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. And so here it is, the beginning of the chapter. Jeremiah gets this message of encouragement. Wow, God, you're able to take the broken pieces. Wow, God, awesome. There's hope for my life. Wow, awesome. That's good. But he gives a warning to those who choose to refuse, to hand over the clay, hand over the lives to the potter's hand. There's a problem that people come in, they hear the word of God. Oh, yes, I should give my life. I should surrender my life to Christ. But yet, Refusing to surrender, refusing to get saved, refusing to become a Christian. And what ends up happening, Jeremiah says, listen, there's a warning for people who choose not to surrender, who choose not to come into, uh, to choose not to get saved, to be a part of the God's family. And so God gives Jeremiah a warning, saying there's a danger that is coming to those who will not repent, who will not surrender their lives to him. So God the potter, he turns our lives around. He allows us to become saved and born again Christians and become disciples. And our lives be in the hands of the potter. Isaiah 64 verse 8 says this, But now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay. You are our potter and we are all the work of your hand. You see, when we're saved, we're a part of his work. God begins to do something in our hearts, in our minds. Listen to Psalms 35 verse 15. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. When you get saved, when you become a Christian, God begins to fashion your heart as individuals. God begins to consider all of your works and say, listen, I've got a plan for your life. I've got something that is of blessing and favor upon your life if you would remain in my hands. And when we're in the potter's hand, we have eternal life. Listen to John 10 verse 28. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Listen, when your life is handed over in the potter's hand, there is eternal life. And so Jeremiah gets this revelation. He's like, wow, in the potter's hand, God takes the broken. God takes the mess. He makes it whole again. But yet Jeremiah gets a sense of encouragement. But listen, he tells Jeremiah, listen, I want you to tell them. I want you to warn them to repent from evil. I want you to warn them, to tell them, listen, you can't be living in sin. I want you to tell them to turn from the wicked ways in which God promised wholeness and eternal life, a hope and a future also Warn them if they choose not to surrender their heart. Listen to it in Jeremiah uh, verse 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you future and a hope. And so Jeremiah is like, man, wow, God is a God of hope. But the problem isn't God. The problem is the clay. You and I, we were given this free will to now choose. Am I going to surrender my life in the potter's hand? In verse 12 of our text, I want you to listen to this because it tells us their response, the people response to Jeremiah, and they said this, that is hopeless. So we will walk according to our own plans and we will, everyone, obey the dictates of his evil heart. You see, the sad reality is this, that people choose to hold on to their own problems, to their own lives. People do not want to let go of their addictions. People do not want to let go of those toxic relationships. They still want to be in control. Isaiah 29 verse 16, listen to this verse. Surely you have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall he? Uh, for shall the thing made say of him who made it, he did not make me. Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. Isaiah 45 verse 9, woe to him who strives with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, he has no hands? This verses that I've read are people who begin to question God and say, listen, I don't need you. I don't need God in my life. I don't need what God has for me. I can do things on my own. And people have forgotten their maker. People have forgotten God and they've chose to remove themselves From the potter's hand. Listen, there's no one saved, always saved. Oh, yeah, I'm just in the potter's hand. But yet you're living in sin. That's why Jeremiah is telling them, you got to warn the people. Listen, in his hand, there's hope, there's future. But when you remove it, there's going to be evil, there's going to be destruction that awaits. And we're preaching it this morning because the Bible tells us that people sadly backslide, that people sadly go back to their old ways, people sadly remove themselves from the potter's hand. Proverbs chapter 26 verse 11 tells us, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his own folly. Psalms 14 verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, they have done abominable works, there is none who does good. And so a fool is somebody, is like a clay that says, listen, I don't want you to, uh, you know, God, I don't want you in my life, I can do this on my own. And the Bible calls them fools. Oh God, there is no God. There is no one. And so here it is, Jeremiah saying, I want you to tell them in my hands. I'm going to give them a future and a hope. I'll provide for them. But when people choose to remove themselves from the will of God, they find themselves in destruction. I'm talking eternity as well. I'm talking out of God's will. People say there's no God forgetting their only but clay. Job chapter 10 verse 9 Remember I pray that you have made me like clay and I and will turn uh, sorry remember I pray that you have made me like clay and will you turn me into dust again You see our lives are but clay And our lives can be broken so many times. We must remember there is a creator. There is a God that is the potter. That when we begin to trust our lives in His hands, He begins to mold and shape. He'll provide you with a job. He'll provide you with a career. He'll provide you in a relationship that is best for your life. Listen, don't try and figure it out on your own. You are not the potter. You are not the one who is able to make things like how God makes it. There's hope for our lives. There's hope for our families. There's hope for your marriage. But will you continue to trust God, your life in the potter's hands? There's a poem about broken dreams and broken toys. I want to read this to you. Listen to this. Broken dreams as children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend. I brought my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. But then instead of leaving him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own at last I snatched them back and cried how can you be so slow my child he said what could I do you never did let go amen what about you today I mean are you still holding on to your life and what you're trying to make of it I mean are you holding on to your future are you holding on to your life and thinking, you know what, oh Yeah, I'm just i I'm sure I can do this and if I can get this in place. I mean, yes, we ought to plan our lives, but listen, God has got to be the potter. We have got to begin to release this control and say, you know what, God, you take over. You be the potter in my life. And listen today, I'm preaching this message because I believe that our church, that you and I, if we would remain in the potter's That this Potter's House Church would see an increase, a growth, a revival like no other. I'm telling you, in the Potter's hands, when we begin to trust in Him with our future, with our lives, God begins to open up things for us that we could not even imagine. But the question is, will you surrender your heart? Will you surrender your life? And say, you know what, God, I surrender. I'm going to give you my life. And it begins with salvation. It begins when you say, you know what, God, I want to give my life to you. I want to be saved. That's where it begins. Your life starts when you get saved and you give your heart to Jesus Christ. The potter's house. You'll hear his word and you'll see things being done here in the potter's house. I want to show a clip very quickly. If we can get that video ready and if you can get the lights, please help me. I want to show a clip because, you know, I'm preaching this message and I've, I can't... You know, I can't help but feel stir for our city. I can't help but feel, you know, a burden for our town. And my prayer is that you don't just come in and say, oh, yeah, good sermon, good message. Well, my prayer is, you know what, you leave, changed lives in His hands. Not in the pastor's hand. Psh, man, I'll ruin your life. <laughs> but in the potter's hand. Come on now. So let's show this clip. It's called, What Future for Bean Lee.
1: 19th century, Beanley was known as a thriving country town, made prosperous by the sugar cane industry and was a leading regional centre of trade and produce. By the mid 20th century, the town had become an important and much loved stopping off point for travellers between Brisbane and the Gold Coast. In fact, the old Pacific Highway once ran right through the centre of the town, what we now call City Road and Main Street. But today, things are rather different. So what happened? To find out, we need to travel back in time, all the way to 1871. But first, a quick history lesson. Originally known by the indigenous peoples as Wubamaju, meaning place of boggy clay, by the 1850s, commercial timber getters were operating within the Beanley area, especially along the riverbanks of the Logan and Albert Rivers. In 1865, two men named Francis Gooding and John Davey set up a sugarcane farm in a bend of the Albert River here. They called their plantation Beanley, after the place of Gooding's birth, Beanley in Devon, England. A road from Waterford was hacked through the bushland to link that settlement with the gooding davy farm at Beanley, while the road to Sydney via the Tweed River also connected near the davy gooding farm. This important crossroads, still visible in the road network today, enabled Bean Lee to quickly grow into an important regional center. This brings us to 1871 when, as the town was quickly emerging, the courthouse was established. Now a courthouse was essential for a growing town and region and was also the cause of local civic pride. It was also in this year that a police station was built in Bean Lee. Despite the many changes in economic prosperity over nearly 150 years, the courthouse, and the police station have been mainstays within Beanley, each growing ever larger. Beanley's initial burst of expansion and prosperity was not to last, and as the 20th century wore on, the town found itself somewhat isolated, especially with the redirection of the Pacific Highway, which bypassed the town in the 1960s. And at a local government level, Beanley seemed to change hands quite often, From 1879 to 1903, it was part of the Beanley Divisional Board. From 1903 to 1949, it was part of the Shire of Beanley. From 1949 to 1995, it was part of Albert Shire. From 1995 to 2008, it was part of Gold Coast City Council. And from 2008 onwards, it has been part of Logan City Council. With so many changes in administration, it's no wonder that improvements have been slow to take hold. The vast new suburbs that sprung up in the 1960s, 70s and 80s also brought with them swathes of public housing. However, this regional population growth was not reflected within Beanley itself. With new shopping opportunities being established further away from the town, Beanley's significance as a popular center of trade and retail began to diminish. And while other southeast centres continue to grow and flourish, such as Southport and Ipswich, Beanley more and more lagged behind and today still presents the appearance of a neglected place. However, there is one building in Beanley that sees continual growth, the courthouse. In 1980, it looked like this, still a relatively small building and in proportion with the town's size. In 1984, the courthouse was closed down and construction began on a new vastly larger building which opened in 1987. A further upgrade in 1998 expanded its capacity while yet another upgrade was completed in 2020 at a cost of $11 million with particular emphasis on handling domestic violence cases as a result of Beanley Court being Queensland's second busiest domestic violence court. Suffice it to say, the courthouse dominates the town. Due to the attitude of successive state and federal governments to use Beenleigh as more or less a dumping ground for a plethora of social problems, most notably those involving drugs, how does Beanley compare to other centres? Let's compare Beenleigh to Ipswich, another distant town from Brisbane that has itself its own social problems. For the period between the 16th of September 2020, and the 15th of December 2020, in terms of drug offences, Ipswich recorded 62 offences. By contrast, Beanley recorded 67. For the same period, Ipswich recorded 29 assaults, while Beanley recorded 41. Concerning trespassing and vagrancy, Ipswich recorded two offences. Meanwhile, Beanley recorded 16 offences. And then there's unlawful entry with Ipswich recording 11 offences. However, Beanley recorded a whopping 27 offences for the same period. Clearly, in terms of crime, Beanley outdoes Ipswich. These figures are freely available on the Queensland Police Service website. And what about median house prices? Does Beanley's crime figures keep people away? The answer is a possible yes. Roughly within a 40km radius of the Brisbane CBD, we can compare several population centres. Victoria Point comes in tops at $537,500. Next is Zip at $400,000. Following that is Deception Bay at $373,000. And at the bottom of the list is Bean Lee, with median house prices at a low $331,000. These figures can be verified via the realestate.com.au website. And does it show? A wonder about the town today reveals a rather shabby, run-down and uninspiring place. This is in stark contrast to a promotional video produced back in 2010, which depicted plans for the Beanley Town Square. Within it are throngs of happy, cheerful shoppers merrily going about their business, while local office workers contentedly eat their lunch in the safe, clean, modern surroundings of the town square. The video is interesting because it shows Beanley as a thriving, world-class, vibrant commercial and retail centre. While the town square was eventually built and does occasionally host popular events, for the vast majority of its time it sits empty, frequented not by happy shoppers but by druggies, the homeless, criminals and various undesirables. The point is You don't get this if your priority is always going to be this. This future doesn't just happen. It won't take care of itself. You have to create the conditions for it to occur. And putting a drug rehabilitation clinic right in the center of town will not achieve that bright future. You can't have both. You can't have a prosperous, glittering town as well as it being a center of drugs, crime, and public housing. It's one or the other. Where are Beanley's pedestrianised malls? Where are the art galleries? Where are the cafes and outdoor dining businesses? These things by and large don't exist here simply because no one wants to live in the centre of the town, nor do business there for fear of the undesirables. Today, Beanley boasts the district and magistrates courts, various legal departments and services, public housing, a probations and parole office, a drug rehab clinic, it's all here. And not wanting to be flippant, but all it now lacks is a prison. If you keep placing all of these services in one town, then you have to expect that the town is gradually going to be overwhelmed by the people who use and or rely on these services. Now, it is not the opinion of this documentary that the homeless and those struggling with substance addiction are not important. Rather, the services some of them require are vitally important and must be provided. However, why should so many of these services be concentrated in such a small area, to the very clear detriment of the wider community in terms of economic development? Beanley cannot grow and prosper and fulfil its business and family-orientated potential if it is going to be continually held back by the perplexing and counterproductive attitude of successive state and federal governments that the druggies and the undesirables are to be given top priority. So what can be done? It is my perhaps naive opinion that first of all the courthouse should be moved, perhaps to the large vacant land on the corner of Logan River Road and Spans Road. This location is within easy walking distance of Homeview train station. Additionally, road access is easier here, being as it is on a main road, than at the current courthouse, which is tucked away in back streets. Yes, this would be an expensive undertaking. But how much money is Beanley not earning by remaining a centre of drug and crime problems? Instead of perpetually having these, we could have these. And little by little the various social and criminal services that orbit the courthouse could be relocated either to the new courthouse precinct or to more appropriate and reasonable places certainly at least away from the town centre in order to give the town centre a chance to come back to life the old courthouse could then be repurposed for a variety of useful and much needed activities the local library could be expanded by moving in there there could be community meeting rooms cafes an art gallery, dining opportunities, perhaps a small concert hall, a museum, a place for special presentations. The list goes on. The building could very well become the pride of Beanley instead of being a place to be largely avoided. As other population and commercial centers within Southeast Queensland continue to grow and update and prosper, Beanley remains more and more left behind. Despite being within easy reach of both Brisbane city and the Gold Coast, and with excellent transportation networks in place, the town ranks low in house prices and high in crime. If current state and federal government attitudes towards Beanley are allowed to continue, then Beanley itself might end up more like a ghost town, rather than a thriving and desirable family, entertainment and business destination.
0: it amen it's you know what and that's why we're preaching today you know the potter's house church we're placed in a in a center in an area that needs the most that needs it the most i'm telling you, you know what i watched this clip you know sister jay sent me this clip and i was moved to be honest i was like wow you know what low uh you know socioeconomic but you know what i preached the message at conference you know revival from the rubbish you know, and I, I believe you know what that's going to happen That our church is going to continue to grow to see revival in Bean Lee. That God begins to move upon the broken and begin to build a wonderful center. This area, you know what, doesn't need another thing to move and everywhere. This area needs Jesus Christ. This area needs the gospel. And we have been placed, the Potter's House Church, for a reason. And I want to ask you the question, will you be a part of this church? Will you be a part of his church to say, you know what, God, I'm going to give my life in the potter's hands so we can see the potter's house grow and flourish in an area that seems so low. Come on. God has given you a gift. God has given you a gift in your life. God has called you for such a time as this to be in this church. It might be an area that, you know what, sees you might need to get involved in a nursery. Man, I'll serve in there. You might be called to be an usher. Can I encourage you? Get involved. You might be called. You know what? We need teams. I mean, I'm thinking about just off the cuff, teams like a street team, welcome team just out the front here on Sunday mornings with welcome to church. You're invited. And just, you know, people out the front on the street, welcome out to church. We've got, you know, greeting people. Hey, come in. We need some people to get involved and be a part of the potter's house. To see people give their lives to the potter's hand. But will you be a part of it today? Will we see these people that he mentions as undesirables? You know what? God loves the undesirables. I was one of those undesirables. You were one of those undesirables. And God loves us to be able to come in with our undesirable things and mold us and shape us back again. And he wants to use us to reach the people who are broken. Amen. Let's bow our heads today in a word of prayer. The hope for our city is Jesus Christ. And the hope of the city is the church. God's called the church to reach the lost. And we are the body of Christ. Different churches play different parts of the whole body of the church. And the potter's house. You hear my words. You know, we. the, the vision statement for our fellowship worldwide is evangelism, discipleship, church planting. 2,700 churches out there, and we're one of them. Placed in towns for a reason, so that God, the potter, can do a miracle in the lives of people who are broken.